First, I want to share with you something out of Galatians chapter 6 and the two promises that we must be reminded of in this hour because of all the challenges that not only we face but nations all over the earth are facing. And, uh, but in Galatians chapter 6, remember this in verse 7. It says, do not be deceived. Now, what would you be, de- be deceived about? Well, in this text, he says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. God is not going to be mocked. For whatever a man, then there are two things. For whatever a man sows, he will also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. So there are two principles. Those that sow to the flesh, they're going to reap that which the flesh produces. But if you sow to the Spirit, you're going to reap what the Spirit produces. And we want to sow to that and it will spring up into everlasting life. But then in verse 9, and let us not grow weary. Say grow weary. We cannot grow weary in this hour. That word literally means you lose your breath. You give up. You're exhausted. You lose your courage, your confidence. We cannot become less confident. We must become more confident. Not in ourselves, but in confidence in Him. And the principle is, if we keep sowing, we keep believing, we're going to see a big God do big and great things here, but also in all the nations of the earth. I mean, if you know that's true. Let me tell you what happened. My good friend, and you guys remember Dr. Pete that was here. What was it, three Sundays, two Sundays ago? And Dr. Pete, he told us that he's preaching virtual meetings to the nations. And he said in Pakistan, he now this week finished his 17th virtual meeting 
one particular village where he preached in. Now, this is what he said. I'm just reporting, but I believe it because I read about this kind of stuff in the book of Acts. He said, everybody in the village came to Jesus. Every person in the entire village got saved. He said he was doing a virtual meeting in Malawi. And he said when he gave the invitation, he felt impressed, you know, to count to three. And he's on a big screen. He's not there in live. It's virtual. But he said on the count of three, if you want Jesus, come to the altar. He counted to three. He said hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people literally ran from the crowd, ran to the altar to find Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you that's happening all over the world. We're living in harvest time. It's not the time to go hide out. It's the time to rise up. And it's the time to be the church. And oh, by the way, I've got to mention one thing. God so loves the world. Now, he hates the deeds, but he loves people. And you and I are to love people. How many of you know we're even to love our enemies? You know, that's going to be a challenge, you know, sometimes. But it's the love of God in us that enables us to love the world. Now, I want you to go with me to Psalm 11. Psalm 11. There are two psalms. Actually, every psalm that you read is a word for this hour. But Psalm 2 is an especial word for this hour. Ask of me in the midst of chaos when the nations are going berserk. He said, ask of me and I'll give you the nations as your inheritance. So at the very time, there are vain plots. And you can read Psalm 2 later on. It's an amazing psalm. But then Psalm 11 is also a very, I believe, incredible, timely word for the hour. Now, Psalm 11, verse 1 says, in the Lord, I put my trust. I mean, if you know, that's a good place to push your trust today. Not in men, those who put their trust in men or, you know, an elected official. We elect officials, but our trust is in the Lord. So in the Lord, I put my trust. How can you say to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? In other words, how can you say, get me out of here? I want to, I want to escape. I want to run and hide. You ever felt like running and hiding? You know, you look at the evening news today. You want to run and hide. Well, how can you say to my soul, you know, flee as a bird to the mountain? For look, now he's going to tell them what's happening. For look, the wicked bend their bow, and they make ready their arrow upon the stream, that they may shoot secretly at the upright in heart. How many of you know that's happening right now? They're bending their bow all over the world. The wicked are preparing to shoot at the righteous. So what are we going to do about this? Well, you can't run and hide. That's already been addressed. It says in verse 3, and then it just asks the question that we've heard this scripture many times. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? And I would ask you this morning, if the foundations of a nation, a society, family, whatever, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? How many of you know it's written right in this text what we're to do? I'll give you some examples, and then I want to go. I want to talk about foundations this morning. But the first thing, I can tell you what the righteous can do. Be righteous. Be righteous. What can the righteous do? Be righteous. That's what. Because first of all, you want to be called righteous. He said, what can the righteous do? So you want to be named among the righteous. The second thing is, it says the Lord is in his holy temple. So not only be righteous... But remember, God is still on the throne, that he's still reigning and ruling. He hasn't deserted his position. He's reigning. How many of you know he's reigning? Man, I was looking out this morning in the green room praying before, and it's raining. And I'm saying, Lord, how about letting it rain in here this morning? And he reminded me, it is raining. It is. I'm raining. I don't care what storm may come your way. I'm still reigning. I'm ruling. He's on his, he's in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. Then it looks, his eyes behold, his eyelids test the sons of men. 
The Lord tests the righteous, but the wicked and the one who loves violence, his soul hates. That's an interesting word, isn't it? His soul hates. You look it up. It means to be an adversary or to be an enemy. In other words, those who are outside of Christ, you know, we're, because of sin, we're really enemies of God. It's Christ that came and broke down the wall and enabled us to have peace with God, right? We're all at war with God until we come into peace with God, and the only way is through the cross, right? So he's speaking about this, and he says in verse 6, upon the wicked he will rain coals, fire and brimstone, and a burning wind. And uh, we've looked at this before. There are those who've said, well, that old fire and brimstone preaching, you know, that's that's a relic of the past. No, it's not. If you read right here in, in Psalm chapter 11, it's not a relic of the past. It's still applicable for the day. Because if you reject God, you reject his love, then what's left? His judgment. And you have to tell people, there's only two ways. There's a narrow way that leads to life. There's a broad way that leads to destruction, correct? And we have to expound on both ways. But in those texts, the next thing we see is remember in this hour is that the Lord is testing the righteous. Now, why would he test the righteous? To prove himself faithful. It's not so much to get us to pass and fail, but to show who he is in the midst of the test. How many of you found that to be true? Because how many times do we fail? And yet God is faithful. He's still faithful. It, it is an amazing principle. But then he also not only tests the righteous, but he's going to deal with the wicked. Then in verse 7, for the Lord is righteous. He loves righteousness. His countenance beholds the upright. And really all of that should be, you know, based on trusting in God. So what do you do when the foundations are destroyed? You trust in God. You trust in him and you believe in him. Now this morning, I want to spend the rest of the time on that verse 3. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Because one thing we can do is, is make sure we're building on some firm foundation. Because not every foundation is going to be destroyed. But that's the context. When the foundations that you behold are being destroyed, what can you do about it? You know, I'm so thankful that remember that scripture where Paul spoke to Timothy and he said, I perceive, I, I, how did he put this? He said, remember, he said that on the genuine faith that was first in your grandmother and was in your mother, I see, I perceive that it is in you. Remember that. And so there's a foundation of faith that you and I are passing down. I am so grateful for my father. Listen, when I was a little boy, I didn't have a choice. Now, some people might say, well, he was forcing you, forcing religion. No, he wasn't. He just, it was a required in our house. You went to church. I'm so thankful it was required, to be honest with you. Maybe there are times I didn't want to be there, but something happened because I was listening. And if I wasn't listening here, I was listening somewhere in here because later on it began to make sense to me. But I'm so thankful for my dad and then my grandfather. My granny, my granny was a praying woman. And I'm telling you, my grandfather, they lived in Tennessee, in western Tennessee, and his name was L.T. Walker. I forget what the L stood for, but the T stood for Tom. And uh, he, he was named after his dad. And they had a saying in that part of the woods. They called him the devil and Tom Walker because he was like the devil. His dad lived like the devil. You know, I don't know if he was in the moonshine or whatever he was in. But when you heard the phrase, the devil and Tom Walker, you knew who he was talking about. And so my, my grandfather wasn't, he wasn't that godly of a man, but my granny wouldn't let him go to hell. And she kept praying and praying, praying, God, get a hold of my, my husband. And one day, he somehow got flicked over to Christian television. And I don't know why he didn't change it. You know, most of the times he would have been, you know, turning that off. He left it on. And then all of a sudden, the holy, I'm just telling you what she told me. She said she walked in the living room and L.T. Walker was speaking in tongues. He was crying in the chair, crying out to God, speaking in tongues. 
I don't, I don't know the process of all that happening. All I know is heaven invaded that living room and L.T. Walker departed from being the devil and Tom Walker. He got on a whole new inheritance and he came to Jesus. But I'm so thankful. The scripture says, Proverbs 22, you and I are here because of this. When you train up a child in the way he should go, when he's old, he will not depart from it. How many of you are thankful for godly parents? Many of you, you didn't have godly parents. But I'm telling you, God's going to be faithful to you. He's going to show himself strong to you. But I'm thankful for that foundation in my own life. So I want to look at some foundations this morning that we need to look at, and then we're going to pray for people, and we're going to believe God's going to do some amazing things. We'll look in Matthew chapter 7, and let's just review Matthew chapter 7. Say, I'm with you. Look at just the context of that scripture. Verse 1, don't judge. If you judge, what happens? You get judged. And then down in verse 7, he reminds them, not only don't judge, but keep asking. Keep knocking. Keep seeking. If you knock, you seek, you ask what's going to happen. You're going to ask, you're going to find, you're going to seek, you'll find the door be open to you. And verse 11, I love that verse. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good things, and in another context, give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? And that's true. Keep on asking. Then in verse 13, there's that scripture we referred to. There are only two ways. There's a narrow way that leads to life. That's the way of the cross, and then there's a broad way that leads to destruction, and that's going our own way, and difficult is the way that that finds life. And then in verse 15, beware of false prophets. I wonder why Jesus told his disciples to beware of false prophets. Anybody have an idea? Because they're going to be false prophets, and so the way you discern them is by, that's how he goes on, you discern them by their fruit. A good tree, verse 18, cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't mess up totally one time and you're disqualified. How many of you are glad for the principle? If you sin and you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. But there's a continuation. There's a habit. There's a lifestyle. And this is a principle. You want to know a false prophet, you look at their lifestyle. You look at what's happening by their fruits, verse 20. Then in verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father. But then look in verse 24. This is what I wanted to get to. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, and what? And does them, will be likened, He will be likened to a man, a wise man, who builds his house on a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew. And it beat on that house. And what happened? It did not fall because it was founded on the rock, on a solid foundation. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, he's a foolish man. And what happens? The wind, the rains, the flood descends and blows on that house and it says and it fell and great was his fall and we know the context of this we know what's happening Jesus said it's not a matter of if the storms are coming it's a matter of when how many of you know they've already come I mean you can you can you know like the weather channel predict what's coming sometimes they get it sometimes they don't you can be certain there are storms coming In this hour and into every nation of the earth. Jesus said that. They're going to come. But you don't have to be a victim. You can be one who's built their house, their life, on that foundation that's going to stand the test of time. And we've already many times looked at that scripture. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. And we've looked at what that really means. It really means basically a lockdown. The gates cannot be closed on the people of God. You can't lock out, you can't lock down the church of Jesus Christ. You may temporarily throw up some blockade, you may put some law in their path, but ultimately the gospel is going to triumph. 
The gospel is going to be preached in all the world. You can't stop it. And the church has to stand up in this hour in the, in the midst of the storms. We can't go and, you know, hide out in some place of refuge. Now, many people believe Moravian Falls is a place of refuge. But you don't, we don't want you coming here just to hide out. We want you to come here to do the will of the Father. It's not those that hide out that go to heaven. It's those that do the will of God. They are engaged. They're standing up. I've seen this sign a couple of times. But anyway, you should test me out if it's still there. But when you go up Highway 16 toward Jefferson, there's a sign right before you get to the parkway, and it says, it's time to stand out. That's what it says. The first time, I had to look at it a couple of times, you know what I mean? I couldn't believe. Is that what that sign says? And uh, what I was writing on, you don't want to take your eyes off the road too much. But anyway, I'm trying to pay attention. But I've been back up there, and I've seen it. It's time to stand out. And I thought, you know, that's a word from the Lord. This is not a time to go hide. This is the time to stand out, be noticed You know, who cares who's against you? If God is for you, who cares? It doesn't matter. Stand out in the crowd. Don't be afraid to be different. I'm just going to be honest. Somebody introduced me recently, getting ready to pray on Facebook. It was a city-wide meeting. And here's how he introduced me. He said, now I want to introduce a pastor in our community. Now, he's different. I want you to know he's different. Right before he handed me the mic, my thought was, God, what did he mean by that? What, is, what do you mean? And anyway, then I started thinking after that. And it was a very anointed prayer. It didn't bother me. I just prayed the house down. It was pretty cool. But then I thought after that, you know, that was a compliment. You don't want to be just a regular, ordinary Joe. You want to be the man or the woman that God has created you to be. You want to be different. David was different. Everybody's running, hiding, looking for cover. And David rose up and confronted the Goliath in his hour. And God's looking for those people. So stand out. And then secondly, we got to stand up. Stand up. You remember that song? Stand up, stand up for Jesus. You soldiers of the cross, lift high the royal banner. It must not suffer loss. What does that mean? You don't lower it. You don't lower the banner of the lordship of Jesus Christ from victory unto victory. It talks about you continue till every foe is vanquished and Christ is Lord indeed. What happened to the... How come we're not hanging on to that song? We used to sing that song. We need to still sing that. We need to be reminded we are soldiers of the cross. And we're not going to lower the banner. We're not going to let it fall to the ground. And then you got to stand for something. Remember that old saying. If you don't stand for something, you're going to fall for anything. Most of the people I see every day are falling for everything under the sun. You know what I'm talking about? They're falling for it hook, line, and sinker. I'm saying, God, where is the resistance? Where are the believers? Where are those who will dare be different? March to a different drummer. Jesus didn't just follow the crowd. He he went the opposite way. They crucified him. I mean, you understand the price. But you got to stand for. And then stand in. Stand in the gap. Somebody's got to stand in for those who are being deceived in this hour. You got to stand in the gap. God, remember your covenant. Remember, God, it is your will that none should perish. We don't want people to die and go to hell. That is not our goal. Everybody got that? We love our enemies. They're God's enemies. But as long as we have the grace to do it, we're going we're to remember that verse, John three sixteen. for God so loved the world. But God, we want you to love them enough to deliver them, change them, have mercy on them, whatever it takes. Now, what if God takes that part serious? Whatever it takes, do you really believe that? What if it's going to take something you weren't really planning on? And then you got to stand on. you got to stand on the Word. You know, I am so thankful that I was raised 
in a church that sang those old hymns. I'm just telling you. We don't sing them anymore. And these songs were amazing today. They all had a theme of the glory. But a lot of the worship today is just, you know, emotional type. You know, I want to feel good. Man, I don't care if you feel good. Listen, <laughs> feeling good, is, that is not what we're after. Amen. If it's about feeling good, yesterday would have been a terrible day. Because I wasn't feeling good, you can ask Shirley. I woke up and I'm just thinking, anyway, I'm not going to go there. You don't want to hear all this. I guess it's because God wanted to remind me. The solid rock. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. If you're building your hope on anything else, you're about to be greatly disappointed in this hour. It's not in your feelings. It's not in your righteousness. It is in his righteousness. It is in his blood. Now listen to the next. I dare not trust the sweetest frame. What does that mean? Something that sounds nice to me. The sweet frame. I, tell me what's nice, preacher, so I feel good today. That is, listen, I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. When darkness veils his lovely face, what are you going to do? Run and hide? No. When I can't see him, I will rest on his unchanging grace. We need to sing that again. When in every high and stormy gale, what are you going to do? My anchor holds within the veil. You get in the veil. You stand on the word. You don't look and fret. You stand and you believe God. You rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy grail, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. His oath, his covenant, his blood support me in the whelming flood. Anybody in a flood this morning? Hang on. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will raise a standard. That standard is to be defined when you and I go through the floods. I'm just telling you, it's part of the standard. We'll have to go there and look at that. Some of you looking at me funny. But anyway, that's part of what that standard is. But on Christ, the solid rock, you know, it says, when all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. Stay. He's my stay. You know what we need today? Staying power. Staying power. Even when the storms get, you know, rough, you stay. You know what the secret to staying power is? God's keeping power. Where's that scripture? I am kept by the power of God Almighty through faith, ready to be revealed in the last time. Where is that? Some of you, you have to look at You'll look it up later. But I have a feeling. If you trust in God's keeping power, then you will have that staying power when things aren't going your way. Does that sound right? And then the last verse, when he shall come with trumpet sound, Oh, may I then in him be found dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before his throne on Christ the solid rock I stand. So we want to stand on, and then we want to stand with one another. You're going to have, we got to stand with one another. The enemy all over the world. I got this word back, it's been months ago, but that the enemy was now in the midst of a full court press. I saw that on one of the news networks this week. They literally, you know, they titled it, Full Court Press. And I said, God, thank you. You already told me that was coming. But, you know, when the enemy, when the opposing team is in a full court press, you can beat a full court press if you don't panic, if you know what to do, if you get the people in the right place. I played basketball. I remember you get everybody in the right place. You set the right picks. If you don't panic, you can make them look awfully foolish in their full court press. And you can beat them down the court and you can make the basket. And I believe that. The enemy is in a full court press. 
That's why we've all got to be in place. This is not the hour to go AWOL. It's the hour to stand firm in the storm and be in your place, trusting in the keeping power of God, staying and doing the will of the Father. Everybody hear me? And then I heard not only full court press, but it's time for the church to be in a goal line stand. Goal line stand. Now, if you're in a goal line stand, that means you got to be standing with one another. Correct? You can't say, well, I don't need that part of the body of Christ. You know, that part, they speak in a funny language or something. You know, I don't know about them. Well, who cares whether you know? If they believe in Jesus and his death and burial and resurrection, if you're sons of God, you're all sons of God. You know, there are going to be some different flavors I'm glad we're all not the same. We're not cookie-cut Christians. We're different. Every snowflake is different, but we got to stand together in this hour. When I heard those guys from Houston, Texas, I wanted to stand with them. So, you know, I can't go to Houston, so I'm just going to be in prayer. God, help them. Stand. We stand with them. God, help them do what you've called them to do. Get all that information to the Supreme Court and all that stuff. But anyway, it talks about building your life on the solid foundation the foundation of obedience to Christ all right something else Hebrews chapter 6 everybody's still with me Hebrews chapter 6 now we're just going to touch on this we'll come back and look at it more in detail because you need to do this we need to look this is like the elementary basic you got to make sure you have the basic down before you can go any further So in verse 1 of chapter 6, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. Now we want to go on to perfection, but how many of you know you can't go on until you have the elementary principles in place? And then he mentions the elementary principles. Number one, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. I think it's interesting, the foundation of repentance. Before revival can come to the land, there must be a foundation of repentance. I believe a lot of that happened two weeks ago in Washington, D.C. There was repentance. I was there. It was pure-hearted. There were genuine prayers of repentance. I do not believe that was just blowing smoke in the air. I believe people were broken. And I don't know, I, may, I don't think it takes the whole body of Christ. There was a remnant there crying out to God. And God is going to move in answer to the prayers of the people. But in specific, repentance from dead works. And we know that that speaks of our own works. Rather than that which is done through faith in God. Faith that we can't see but we hope for. But we believe God. We believe his word. Then the doctrine of baptisms. And of the laying on of hands. How many of you know there are a lot of reasons to, we're to be laying on of hands? They're telling us today, you got to practice social distancing. How many of you know that Christianity is not a social distancing organization? It's not. We've been called to lay hands on the sick, that they would recover. What are you going to say? I can't lay hands on you. I must remain a socially distant six feet. You remain six feet from them. They may go six feet under because you didn't obey God. So just pray for them. Pray you may deliver them from the six feet under destiny. I'm serious about this. And then you pray. You lay hands when people are sent out. Now, you got to be careful when you lay hands on some people. You get to share in their sins, and you got to be careful. And that's all in this teaching and all of that. And And then the resurrection of the dead. You know, by one man's disobedience came. Who was the one man? Adam. Disobedience spread to all men. Death came to all men. By one man's obedience, Jesus, life, the resurrection came. And that's what sets Christianity apart from all the religions of the world. All the other leaders of these world religions are dead. Jesus is alive. And that's the one big difference in all the world. He's alive. And though we are dead in sin, we are made alive in Christ Jesus. And then the other foundation is of eternal judgment. Now, we got to talk about eternal judgment today. 
It's part of the foundational principles. Some people say, don't talk about that. You don't want to talk about judgment. Listen, Jesus was judged for us at the cross. Doesn't matter what we've done. Even the most vilest, most wicked sinner on the face of the earth. If they go to Jesus, their sin can be forgiven because Jesus took their sin and nailed, it was nailed to the cross. Jesus took the full wrath of God. We have to describe that wrath of God. We have to explain it. It's eternal judgment. And we don't want anybody to go there. We want them to escape. And the only way is through the cross. And then another way. And we'll come back to that and go into more detail because there's so many things. But look over in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 couple more things we'll pray wrap it up okay but first corinthians chapter 3 verse 9 you remember this for we are god's fellow workers you are god's field where's god's field our heart he's working in our heart this is god's field we're god's fellow workers working together you are god's building so obviously this is not the building i mean we're in a building but we are the building so we could We can meet anywhere together, and if we're meeting together, we are a building. We're the house of God where he wants to inhabit, and he wants to make himself known through his people. And we, you know, this is stuff that we know, and we've we've walked there, but let's go on. It says, according to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I've laid the foundation, and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. I've always been told, you don't want to build on another man's foundation. Well, it sounded good, but the truth is, I don't know if it's God. Because if you're building on another man's foundation, it ain't going to last anyway. If that man is building on any other foundation other than Jesus Christ... It's not going to last. The only foundation that's going to last is that which is laid. It's already been laid, which is Jesus Christ. Verse 12. Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, and straw. We know that half of that, when the fire is applied, there's going to be a refining. The other, when the fire is applied to it, it's going to be devoured. Verse 13. Each one's work. Say each one's work. Each one's work will become clear. You know, I believe this fire has begun. For the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will do what? It will test each one's work of what sort it is. Whether they built their foundation on their own vision, their own dream, on some dead work or they built on that foundation that eternal foundation of Jesus Christ verse 14 if anyone's work which he's built on it endures he will receive a reward if anyone's work is burned up he will suffer loss but he himself will be saved yet as through what fire so we know the fire is going to come to test the works to see what sort they are of and so we welcome that If our works are of him and we built upon that obedience to the voice of of God, the obedience to the Spirit, then it's going to endure the test of time. And then one more thing, and then we're going to pray. Psalm 89. Now, we could spend a lot more time on all these things. Psalm 89. This week, I did what I always do. I always ask the Lord... I mean, maybe this is old-fashioned, but I always ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want to do Sunday? What do you want to say Sunday? I've always, every, they, they put that in my mind, ask God what he wants to say. So, it's a habit. I'm asking God, God, what do you want to say? What do you want to say? So anyway, I go to sleep and I wake up, I don't know, Tuesday morning or something, and this scripture is in my mind. The scripture about the foundation, my throne, my foundation, both righteousness and justice. This is the scripture. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of my throne. And then I heard it again. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of my throne. 
Then I heard it again. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of my throne. You know what I came to the conclusion. The conclusion was that he was answering what I had asked him. That this is what he wanted to say. I know it's old-fashioned, but I believe that scripture in the New Testament, that if anyone speaks, let him speak as he's speaking the oracles of God. I've always believed that. Don't tell me I'm wrong, because I see it in the scripture. You should preach as if you're preaching the very oracles of God, especially if you ask him what to say. And in that hour, he said, take no heed, because in that same hour, I will give you. It is my Father who is speaking. The Holy Spirit will give you what to speak. So anyway, I believe in all those scriptures. So I believe that God is speaking something today. He's speaking that righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Now, what does that mean? It means that righteousness and justice. If you come his way, what do you get? Righteousness. If you go your own way, what do you get? Justice. It's your choice. You can have judgment or you can have righteousness. It's not our own works. It's not ours. It's that which he gave us. You being evil know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more shall he give the Holy Spirit? But he also said that he gives us the gift of righteousness. And so we come to him by faith. All of us are under the judgment of God before we come to Jesus Christ. The scripture says Jesus did not come to condemn the world. But he came that the world through him might be what? might be saved. He's the only way. But there's judgment until we come that way. And we have to turn from our own way. That's repentance. And then we turn to him. And then there's two more things I'll just mention. Second Timothy, you can look at this later, chapter 2, verse 19. It says, this solid, firm foundation remains. And there's a seal that he speaks about. This foundation, let those who name the name of Christ depart from iniquity so that foundation should be built on a life of obedience to him obedience let those that name the name of christ depart from iniquity and then the last thing and then we'll talk about that at at another time is that ultimate foundation of the new jerusalem that will be coming down out of heaven you know after all of the the demonic activity that's going to happen on planet earth and the deception and all the trickeries and the devices of the devil and yet in the midst of all of that there's going to come forth a new Jerusalem of which they'll have the walls of that city and the names of the apostles and their names will be on those walls in the foundation and it will be a foundation that will never, never end. It's that city that we're waiting for. It's the city that we're looking for. And it's the city whose builder and maker is of God. And it's a foundation that's going to last. It's the foundation that my dad and my mom began to tell me about as a little boy. And I began to build my life on that foundation, which is Jesus Christ. Ultimately, I'm telling you, it's going to wrap up in the foundation that's never going to fail. It's an eternal city, the eternal foundation of which he is building in this hour. But you've got to have faith in Jesus Christ. You've got to build your life on him. Amen? You've got to build your life on him. Not on some religion, not on some pet doctrine or belief, or not on your own works. You build your life on faith in Jesus Christ, on the blood of Jesus that was shed and the righteousness that is given through faith in him. Now, I want to pray this morning for people that are watching. Anyone in this room, I'm telling you, they're going to flood this room in the coming days. They're going to come. You remember, I'm prophesying to you. Now, obviously, maybe God's going to have to do some more shaking. Well, let it come. How many of you are ready? If you're building your life on the eternal kingdom, which cannot be shaken, you're in, good, you're in good hands. You're in a good place. And God may shake everything that can be shaken. He said he would. So that that which remains is going to be that which he has built. But you have to be built on a solid foundation, which is his son. And so I want to pray this morning a prayer of faith. I believe there are many that are watching, and the Holy Spirit right now is drawing you to Jesus Christ. He's convicting you. No man can come to him when they want to. 
It's not all of a sudden you wake up one day and I think I'll be a believer in Jesus. No, you hear the word, you're convinced of your need of God, and the Holy Spirit draws you through conviction to faith in Jesus Christ. And so we have to turn our life from where we are going to, his, to him and his direction. So I want to just lead us in prayer. Is that okay? And you guys pray it out loud. And if you're watching, you pray something like this. We're living in a day, my friend, that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord, they will be saved. Whoever calls on that name. It's just like my friend, Dr. Pete, when he preached the gospel in that day in Pakistan on a big screen. The whole city came to Jesus. This is the hour. Whole cities are going to come to him. Hundreds are going to run to faith in Jesus Christ. I want to lead you in a prayer. So just pray something like this. Just say, dear God, I need you. And I believe in Jesus. That he is the son of God. That he lived. That he died and he rose again. And I confess I'm a sinner. And I ask you to forgive me of all of my sin and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. I turn from sin and I turn my life over to you. I put my trust in your death and burial and resurrection. From this moment on, I will follow you. I believe that you died and that you rose from the dead. And I confess you now. And I ask you to fill me with the Holy Spirit. Fill me with the fire of God for the rest of my life that I would live for you. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen. And I thank you, God. If you prayed that prayer, we want you to know that he's faithful, he will hear, and whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved.